thank God it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week, I am joined by host of the Bodies of Horror podcast, Nicole. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited. We finally found time. I had COVID, but... (laughs) last week and was dying I shouldn't really say that but um I was I was a bit sick um but yeah we finally and um, we finally get to chat yeah I'm excited to chat and I'm excited that you are feeling better that is of course of most importance yes thank you <laughs> um tell us a little bit about your podcast because I am a fan I listen to your podcast when when I'm in the car because that's the only time I really listen to podcasts but <laughs> it's awesome so far thank you so yeah bodies of horror is a horror film podcast that examines a whole wide variety of different horror films through the lens of physical disability um So looking at films that really look at themes of disability or have characters that are disabled and just kind of talk about how it relates to the disability experience. Um, I'm someone with a disability. So um, it's, you know, it's something that I noted as I was really getting into horror podcasts and reading a lot about horror. I just wasn't seeing a lot about um, disability, physical disability. And that's always been kind of my point of reference with it. It's, you know, from watching Cronenberg when I was far too young. And being like, oh, yeah, human bodies. <laughs> I think we are- all were. <laughs> I know, but it's like, oh, human bodies are both disgusting and beautiful and weird. And my body is real fucking out there. So this is cool. So I really love um, being able to kind of highlight, um, I think, some themes that often go missed in general conversation. And so, yeah, we are now in season two of the podcast. And yeah, it's, you know, we talk about old films, new films, the whole gamut. It's exciting. Yeah. Are there any films that you feel a strong connection to? Well, outside of the one that we're talking about today, um, you know, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my absolute favorites and was really one of the films that, to me, really made me make a real firm connection to horror and disability. Because anytime I would bring up that movie, it'd be like, oh God, fucking Franklin, he's the worst. And I am an adamant defender of Franklin as a character. I think he's low-key kind of cool and amazing. And so to me, I was like, am I missing something? And so that film really um, hits uh, hard for me. And then The Exorcist, uh, especially like the medical scenes. Yeah. Um, are just, if you want to talk about films that really, I think, portray it in a realistic and kind of uncomfortable, painful way, that isn't, I mean, it's not gory, it's not um, kind of visceral in that way, but it just, like, you feel it, 
you absolutely feel every poke and every prod. So I say that those are the two films that, from that perspective, just really slam the most for me. Yeah, that's awesome because, you know, it's always interesting to find other perspectives. I am not very able-bodied of late, which is, um, you know, chronic illness is something that I am very new to. So I'm still in the denial stage of my medical process and journey. So I'm soon to be in the getting poked and prodded and tested and feel like I'm going to be experimented on in the coming months. So I'm, I'm not looking forward to it, but I'm also looking forward to it. So we'll see how it all goes. <laughs> well, I, yeah. And I think that that's something too, that we often forget is that disability illness, chronic conditions, they're part of the life experience. Yeah. Um, you know, we are touched by them either you know, ourselves, um, or people, you know, that we, we know, we love, we're with, um, family members, friends. So it's, it's one of those things that I think has been a really interesting journey with the podcast is like, well, am I going to find enough films to actually talk about? And I'm like, well, like you can kind of tie in. (laughs) so much of this into absolutely because it's such a universal experience but yeah it is it's scary it's weird it's uncomfortable and i think that particularly the horror genre allows us to talk about that aspect of it yeah where other genres just kind of gloss over it or don't even kind of touch that aspect at all where horror is like uh, it can really suck, but yeah. here's kind of a different viewpoint. Yeah, I find that a lot of other genres also either romanticize chronic illness by turning it into a rom-com or mm-hmm. kind of make chronically ill people look hopeless. And yeah. I kind of hate that. But in horror, we're just everyday people. It kind of feels nice. I mean, my illnesses are very invisible. Um, I don't know what's wrong with my body. I have autoimmune diseases and stuff like that. So a lot of like my physical stuff isn't visible to everyone else. So it's hard to like for me to even be like, I have a chronic illness. <laughs> well, and I think that that's something that's really uh, kind of a, I don't want to say like a new territory. But I think it's a new element of the discussion of hidden disability, non-visible yeah. disability, because whether it's something like half of my disability is internal, um, yeah. you know, I'm also, I have a huge gash down my chest from multiple open heart surgeries. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, like some of it is apparent, some of it isn't, and you know, it's important for discussions like this to happen so that people can kind of understand the full nature of the experience. It isn't just someone that's in a wheelchair and it's very apparent that they have a mobility issue or someone that's visually impaired, blind, or deaf or hard of hearing. There's a whole gamut of disability as well. And they all deserve kind of a, a, a nuanced approach 
And so it's, you know, I think horror is a genre that does that at a completely different level than many others for the reasons that you stated. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, um, I think for so long, the the focus has been on people's physical disabilities, which, you know, um, in the in the 50s would have been the only thing that uh, doctors and medical professionals would have focused on until what the last 20 years where we have you know th- these you know diseases and disorders that are coming out and people are, are suffering from well not even suffering from living with yep yeah exactly a lot and of my friends health. are chronically ill so <laughs> exactly and you know i think mental health is another kind of tangent of that yeah. um that again non-visible but something that is very much part of the discussion. I try to tread extremely lightly in that realm, um, even though I do a lot of work in the mental health realm. Um, it's not necessarily my my background and my expertise, and there are people that are much more yeah, me deaf, <laughs> that are much more deft and you know skilled to talk about it. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's just you know, I it, it is really. You know, one of the things about doing this podcast and being out there and talking about, you know, having a disability, it's been great to be able to connect with other people in the horror and film community that are like, same. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Let's, that's so cool. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about how these films kind of connect with us in, in different ways. It's, it's been really rewarding and exciting in that way. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's what I I love the most about this community is that you can put yourself out there and not worry about being criticized or being told to go away. There's yeah. you'll find more often than not that there's other people that are are going to say, "Hey, whoa, me too. Let's let's collaborate. Let's talk about it. Let's fuck, let's do something." Exactly. exactly. Let's teach people more about it. Let's talk to people about it. And it's it's really, yeah, like you said, really rewarding. It's special in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice to have kind of a, a space within the community that you can share that experience with. And it, yeah, you're exactly right. I think, you know, there's in any kind of group, there are going to be some bad actors. There are going to be some people yeah. that are, you know, a little that that are harmful in conversations like that but you know everyone that i kind of put myself out there with and i've talked about it have just been really really kind and accepting and really cool and lovely to chat with so yeah um, it's been a really really good uh experience and you know it's one of the great things about being able to talk to other people like you who are (laughs) doing some amazing things and talking about horror in really cool and interesting ways and you know just kind of be like yeah me too i love this film let's talk about it yeah and it's cool because it's all different perspectives coming together and it's like my experience of a film is different to your experience of a film and it's just awesome to have those conversations and be like wow okay i never really thought of it that way because i don't see it from that perspective but cool awesome thank you for showing me something about it and and more often than not you'll definitely you know have 
obviously amazing people and it drowns out those naysayers who are harmful and don't worry about them we all see them we all know they're going on we know who they are see you later (laughs) exactly um so you've chosen a bit of a medical horror film with some body horror happening (laughs) why did you choose uh the 1992 doctor dr giggles (laughs) so this was a film so I grew up in a very rural area. There wasn't a movie theater or even like a video store because you hear people talk about their experiences being really young and like perusing like a blockbuster or whatever video rental place was near them. And we didn't have that. We had like, it wasn't until I was maybe in middle school, we had a gas station that okay. had like a wall of like things that you could rent. Um so um it wasn't until much later that i kind of got really accustomed to that but we did have a movie theater it was a single screen so not a multiplex it was one theater one screen two showings on friday and saturday nights um and um Mostly it was all like family films because it was a rural area and that's what sold. Um, that's what, you know, people wanted to see. Every now and then a someone special would squeeze in a horror film or would even <laughs> just put up like a poster of something. Wouldn't play there, but I'd be like, what is this? I'm intrigued. I need it. <laughs> yeah. So I remember going and seeing, I want to say it was like, I, I, I can't remember the film. Remember like going into the theater with my sister, seeing the poster for Dr. Giggles and reading like part of that nursery rhyme. If you live in Morehigh and you get sick, get down on your knees and pray you die quick. And I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> this is so scary and I love it. <laughs> And then it ended up showing on Showtime. And so then that became like my, I'm like, if I had friends over to watch a movie, we are having like a slumber party, it'd be like, guys, you gotta watch this. You don't even understand what I'm about to blow your mind with right now. We're gonna watch Dr. Giggles. You're gonna love it. And it's gonna be the best time. And I had a heart monitor. Um, the first time that I actually like showed friends um, because of my disability, um, every other year I would have to do a period of time with a heart monitor just to be like, you know, like kind of like what they talk about in the movie. It's like yeah. you want to see where certain activities may cause undue stress and just kind of get readings. And actually having this film allowed me to be able to talk about it Wow! and be like, Hey, yeah. Like this is kind of my experience too. Um, so that beeping right now, I'm not throwing it in the fish tank cause I don't have a fish tank, <laughs> but like, this is just me and it's being chill. So if you have any questions, we can talk about it. That's so cool. Cause like, how do you breach like a subject like that with children that you know are your friends and it's kind of like I don't want them to think I'm strange or that you know I'm really sick um 
And so to have that kind of experience and share that with them and be like, yeah, like I'm cool to talk about it if you want to ask questions. And the thing is like, when you're a kid, you kind of want kids to ask you questions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and to be able to do it in kind of like a way of, let's watch this movie. Like <laughs> this isn't real, but ask me questions. If you want to yeah. like, know what like being strapped to this machine for a week is actually like, and whatever like things are still very chill and so uh yeah i have such an affinity and soft spot for this film because it really was an icebreaker for so many of my friends to be able to be like hey let me talk about this yeah that's awesome and i'm sure they would have appreciated that too because they would have been like hey uh what's her name um the main actress, she wears a yeah. heart monitor in this movie. And so does Nicole. How fucking cool is that? <laughs> yeah, like, look at her go. Yeah. Look yeah. at her go. Like, she's gonna, like, if Holly Marie Combs can do it, Nicole can too. Yeah. That's so special. Ah! <laughs> Got me in the feels. Oh. I was just ready to laugh at this movie, and now I'm gonna, like, <laughs> oh, go no. and... <laughs> Now we can laugh. Now we can just laugh. Now we can laugh? <laughs> we can giggle, if you will. Um, oh, God. He's so creepy. God, <laughs> this movie is... It's... Every time I watch it, I just get into, like, this inner space of being that young kid and being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> why is this happening that was me watching this movie because I watched it last night and then I rewatched it this morning and that's when I messaged you and I was like this is insane (laughs) what is going on like how that what and yeah each each turn you're like no what why why would you I don't get it but let's dive into the movie yeah hold on oh that was my lunch alarm, because if I don't set an alarm, I don't remember to eat. Um, <laughs> so a little bit about the film. Um, what, what have I done? I've taken it away from myself. <sighs> Sorry, I will edit this part out. <laughs> so um, Dr. Giggles is a 1992 American slasher film directed by Manny Cotto starring Larry Drake as Evan Rendell Jr. Uh, as uh, the I can't, Wikipedia have put a word in ep, ep, eponymous is that a word? Yes. Anyway, Dr. Giggles <laughs> and Holly Marie Combs as Jennifer Campbell the film co-stars Cliff DeYoung and Glenn it was released on October 23, 1992. Not too bad. Like, right next to Halloween. That's an awesome little spot to put that in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect Halloween film. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the weird things, too, is that it's... I think one of the cool things about it is that it... It doesn't, I think... Obviously, it's taking place at the end of the school year, um, but there's still something kind of autumnal about it. Yeah, and I, I like, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to take place in like May, 
or June. But I still get some autumnal vibes. She's still wearing, like, a jean jacket. Yeah, it's like she's and, rugged like, up. Yeah, like, it's fine. Like, it can be any time. Yeah. So, let's get started. Um, I love the opening credits for this. Um, I don't know if you had the same opening credits as I did, where it's, like, the blood cells in the streams. And I was like, that is really, that is amazing. Because it travels um, through the arteries and then up through the um, opening of a chest cavity. And you can see... um, uh, Evan Randall Jr., who is Dr. Giggles, uh, performing surgery on a patient. Yes. And in the operating in an old, room. Yeah, in an old school, like, surgery theater. Yeah, because they fully have, like, the um, observational platforms and stuff. And I was like, I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> no, um, absolutely not. And now I think it's just, you know, like, if you are a med student if you are doing you know residency you're just there you're in there yeah yeah, you're just in with the team it isn't like a spectator sport but yeah i love the opening yeah um and i love that it's a little bit of a uh kind of bait and switch in that you have a doctor that looks very doctor-ish in their scrubs and they seem to be, you know, following all the procedures, but then you get the shot and you're like, wait, that person is in a, a suit that they're operating on and that's not a proper procedure. <laughs> you're like, where are so, all of his scrubs? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> they've never allowed me just to wear, like, my PJs into surgery, like... <laughs> I have to go, like, completely ass out. Like, that's not right. That's not real. Something's, something is amiss here, film. Continuity error. Continuity here. <laughs> the, the first and only time I've ever been in hospital was with, like, severe migraines. And I was too high to care what I was wearing. I was like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's... It's, that's when you're doing it right is when you can <laughs> be in a hospital and just like you know what whatever Put I don't me in care. whatever I can't uh, eat I can't sleep don't worry about it yeah just keep me keep me drugged so that I can get through yeah <laughs> and then we'll move on but yeah I I love the opening um, yeah it's such a great cold open with i think setting not only the character up in a really cool way but kind of setting up the kind of medical core yeah is kind of embedded in the film because there's this really fantastic part where um blood splatters up onto his face and he's got a sore and then like disappears (laughs) because um there are uh men in suits they're not actually doctors because we do find out why later um and uh they're on their way to stop dr giggles from doing what he's doing um but when they reach the operating room um he is nowhere to be seen uh we see a nurse sitting at her desk and she's working on some paperwork her back to the door uh two arms wrap around her and she tells the person it's inappropriate to do this here (laughs) 
Uh, when she touches the hand, she retracts to find uh, blood all over her own hands. She turns around to see Dr. Giggles with the two arms in his hands, and he says he should have kept his hands to himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And we're going to talk about it a lot because so much of his dialogue is puns. Yeah, I love it. And you know that Larry Drake was just like, what am I even saying right now? <laughs> like, there had to Did be a just roll with it? Like, <laughs> like, seriously? How much Again? did you pay for the script? <laughs> like, y'all, like, y'all, I get it. It's fun. But seriously? Oh, it's really all the cross, time. Maybe cross the line. No, I, like, <laughs> Every pun is just chef's kiss, beautiful. It's great. And he's living it. He's just living it. I would have loved to have done that. That would have been a lot of fun, that script. Yes. Yeah. So good. I kind of wish I'd written it. Yeah. And the writer-director has gone on to do really, like, big stuff. Oh wow! Um, like he is a big name. If you watch American Horror Story, yes, or American Horror Stories, he's directed and written a ton. Oh wow! Um, That's the awesome. Exorcist TV show, love that um, show. Episodes of Dexter, like he's like Manny Cotto's kind of fucking legit. And wow, to know that this was you know one of his earliest things is kind of because you can see a dark humor um just really cemented in a lot of the script and a lot of the choices that are made so um it's it's kind of cool when you go back and you see something that he's done more recently and you're like i kind of see i kind of see the vibe the feel that you you just it definitely has a a Dexter vibe to some of the scenes for sure. Cause I like, even just like thinking back on it, I'm like, wait a second. Def- yeah, f- definitely. Yeah. Because Def- you're also getting, you know, a very procedural, a very kind of ritual thing, which is very medical based as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, it's one of those things that it's always strange to me when I, you know, I, maybe have gone a period of time without watching and then go back and I'm like, oh man, right. I really fucking love Dexter, don't I? Because <laughs> maybe where it started. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have, I have a type. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm definitely a procedural person. So I'll watch anything that is a procedural crime, medical, anything. I'm there. Yep. I'm there. Yep. Um, so we meet uh, Jennifer Campbell and her boyfriend, Max, and they're talking about what they're going to be doing on their spring break. Um, to me, they kind of have this, like, normal relationship. She's She doesn't seem as into it as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they're just typical teens. I really like uh, when all of their friends are getting together and they're talking about uh, what they're going to do for because the, there's a carnival and a party coming up. And I love their outfits. 
I want to dress this way all the time. Like I'm, I have such like a, a thing for nine, the 90s at the moment and like flare jeans, like wide leg flare jeans at the moment. I'm in. I'm sold. Yeah, I like, yeah, the, the style from top to bottom is just nothing but choices. Nothing but 90s choices. And so much I, <laughs> I also feel that, like, you get, like, this is one of those films where I think some of these friend characters aren't, you know, like, they're dead meat, right? Yeah, they don't even have names, so. Yeah, like, they're <laughs> dead meat. They're just here to be killed in a way, and because of the film it's gonna be at least an interesting kill um but i like i i agree that the scene where they're all kind of you know getting together and um kind of talking about like okay where are we gonna meet what are we gonna do tonight um it seems you know fairly natural um although uh, way back when, I think at the, actually at the very beginning of the pandemic, um, I was listening to, uh, I don't know if you listen to We Hate Movies. Um, no, but they, maybe I should. <laughs> they did an episode on Dr. Giggles. And one of the things that they said, and that just stays lodged in my mind, is, so Jennifer is at school. It's like the last day of school. And she has this medical appointment that she's going to. Um, why did she even go to school? <laughs> why not call out sick? It's the last day. Yeah, like, it's fucking fine. Are you going to miss a movie that the science teacher puts on? Like, what? what last day of school's a write-off. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> Girl, you have been given a gift of a day off, your last day, and you don't take it? You're going to school? What? Oh, poor, poor choice. What a square. <laughs> but at the same time, like, she, you know, she's got to show up to sign those yearbooks and be like, yeah, I'm here. I go to school. I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, I... I go to school. It's not even like their graduation. It's not like if it was their graduation, if it was something like that, I could get it. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, after I do my graduation, I have to go to my heart surgeon. That doesn't <laughs> also happen, I don't think. But no. Yeah, it's just I'm like, God, just you could have taken a whole fucking day off. You could have and slept then go in. Home and nap. Just go home and nap. You would have saved herself. <laughs> she, none of this would have happened. None of yeah. this would have happened. Like and drink movie ends. Drink that wine and take a nap. Yep. <laughs> uh, we see Jennifer later at a doctor's appointment. Um, she's getting her heart checked out because uh, she um, has been wearing a monitor on and off uh, mm. because she has a congenital heart condition. Um but basically the doctor wants to make sure that they don't need to perform surgery anytime in the near future. So she's pretty bummed about having to wear a monitor. I mean, she's what a 17 year old girl 
he's told her stay away from extraneous activity, nothing exciting, and definitely stay away from alcohol. Well, there goes her plans for that night. Out the window. Yeah, there goes her social life. <laughs> I don't do any of those things, so. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, to me, that would be like. At 17. Yeah. Yeah, like, what What now? What like, do I do like, now? Fuck, thanks. Yeah, go garden. <laughs> do the gardening. <laughs> But that's strenuous. It's like, I can't do, oh, I just need to. Yeah. Nap. Wait, no, can't do that. Yeah, I'm just going to nap and watch movies. Yeah, that sounds so good. Um, the camera pans to a dilapidated and creepy looking house. Um, we see Dr. Giggles breaking in, and he's, uh, this is his house uh, where he lived with his family. And um, he's basically trying to find old files and looking for a list of names. I just have a comment. Um, he, the thing is, he does nothing with that list of names. No. Well, he don't. It's not even important. But he's looking for a document with a list of names on it. Yeah, it's kind of like when you make yourself a grocery list and then you forget the grocery list. So you make you another come one back with like Doritos, <laughs> yeah, and vodka, and you're like, nailed it. Didn't like, get anything on the list that yeah, I wrote. You're just like, I'm gonna have a great fucking time. I'm um, making margaritas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what his thing is. It's like Chopped. It's yeah. like a, a it's like an episode of Chopped where you're given a mystery basket where you should know how to work with this. You should be somewhat prepared, but you're not. So Yeah. <laughs> I I yeah, he's just like, whatever, we're just gonna we're just gonna, you know, freeform this. Yeah. Um, Jennifer walks past because she lives nearby the old Rendell house and she runs into her neighborhood, uh, Mrs. Peterson. She's the neighborhood watch lady. And she has a dog with her whose name is Erica. <laughs> yeah, that's a great dog name. I thought that was great. I love animals with like really, uh, like with really obviously human names. Yeah, like here's my pit bull, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> this is Have Gary. you seen my calico cat, Miranda? Miranda? What? <laughs> that's not Miranda. What? That's a princess. That's a princess. Why are you calling her Miranda? She obviously wants to be a princess. Like, no, her name is Miranda. She is obviously... Oh, no, I was trying to think of a name and I'm brain went blank. Yeah, I was going to give like, her a human name again. This is Miranda. She works downtown. Like, she... She carpools. She's like that's her, that's her life. Like don't put Kitty this on carpool. her. Um, I love how Mrs. Peterson gets up real close to Jennifer's heart monitor. Like some of the shots in this are just so cool because it's so classic nineties like um like filming techniques. And so yeah. I love that we get that waste shot of Mrs. Peterson like right up on the heart monitor, uh, commenting that that's an odd-looking radio. And Jennifer's like, yep, yeah, I don't... Why are you annoying me? Get out of here, Mrs. Peterson. Yeah, it's such an invasion of privacy. Yeah. But then we it, learn that she is like this. Yeah, but still, it's like... Oh, yeah. Do you... Like, no! Do you know what personal space is? <laughs> yeah, like... I'm not... No, dude... <laughs> not about you. I can't plug you in either. 
Uh, Jennifer gets home and she's greeted by her dad's new girlfriend, Tamara. Jennifer completely ignores her and goes straight through to the study to speak to her dad about having to wear the heart monitor. Um, I know that there's like some dialogue between the two of them talking about how her dad, she doesn't particularly like her dad's new girlfriend because uh, Jennifer's mother has only recently passed away. Right. And one of the things that is mentioned, but I we don't really find out more, is that Jennifer's mom has passed after what she refers to as a routine surgery. Yeah. So this can be anything. Um, so I think, again, it's kind of like I get what they're doing, kind of adding in that extra layer of like medical trauma, medical informed trauma. Well, of course he is going to be fearful of doctors and surgery and kind of invasive medical procedures because that's, you know, that's how her mom passed. So I appreciate that. I, but it's like, you learn nothing else about it. Yeah. There's no exposition and you're like, okay, um, cool. <laughs> That's like, it. Was it a root canal or was it <laughs> a... Wisdom tooth extraction? What were you doing? Yeah, or was it like a like heart transplant? Like what? Which is also <laughs> like a routine surgery. <laughs> like, so yeah. it's... It's like routine surgery can be anything. Yeah. So, so I... crazy. Yeah. Um. So... In a flashback scene, uh, we see Dr. Giggles as a child performing surgery on one of his teddy bears with a scalpel as his father watches on super proud. We see Dr. Giggles in the present. He's really upset about something. Um, And he says to, he's looking at a photo of his father. He says, this town murdered you. It's sick. Must be cured. So we see kind of what his motive is behind his killing spree. Mm-hmm. We don't have the full story yet, but we understand that this is obviously, he's coming from a place of vengeance, that he's returning to something and he feels like he must kind of fight for the honor of his family and of his father. Uh, Jennifer's friends that we saw her socialising with, uh, they decide they're going to go on a little expedition to the Rendell house because they're going to search for the bodies of um, this urban legend that, you know, um, is around this house. And they think that the bodies are in the wall. So they're talking about, you know, um, Dr. Rendell and how he killed all these people and hid them in the house and the son went missing and nobody's seen him ever again. And that the ghost of Dr. Rendell Sr. lives in the house still. And uh, we, this is the first time we also hear the uh, the rhyme that is associated with the urban legend. And it goes, uh, this town has a doctor and his name is Rendell. Stay away from his house because he's the doctor from hell. He chopped up his patients, every last one, and cut out their hearts purely for fun. Yes. And then (laughs) the additional bit of the nursery rhyme, and this was on the poster that I saw as a kid, is the, if you live in Moorhigh, 
and you get sick, get down on your knees and pray you die quick. Because we're now kind of learning that this doctor did some bad, some bad stuff in town. Yeah. They um, continue to look around the house because they're looking for evidence that the doctor's son is still out there and alive and that I don't know why they need this evidence. I, I don't know what possessed them to to need to do this. I mean, it's fine. I get it. Um, two of the teens are separated from the group and they're locked in the room as a prank by the others. Mm-hmm. Um, so while why they are trying to find while whilst they are trying to find an exit from the room. Um, we see Dr. Giggles getting suited up. So he's putting on his, you know, his doctor's coat. He's packing his uh, little, what is it, like a surgical bag? Yeah, like, with, a, with doc- like a medical his... bag, a doctor's bag. Yeah. I, I'm sure they have a name. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> bag of terror. Bag of shit. Yeah. No, um, bag of doctor bag shit. Bag of pokey. Bag of pokey shit that hurts. Yeah. Um, things bag of pain yeah (laughs) Uh, while the two are locked in the room they start to hear the sounds of giggling echoing through the house they think it's just their friends continuing the prank and so the boy see this is where i was like i'm gonna go look for names there's no names um it is a girl and a boy they're a couple they're in this room locked in together um they look through the keyhole and the teenage boy pretends that his eye has been poked by something on the other side freaking out his uh, female counterpart in the process um whilst <clears throat> he is revealing his joke we see a syringe come through the keyhole and it is stuck into the boy's back what i don't understand he must have been like injected with something because blood like pours out of his mouth yeah it's and he eventually collapses yeah, so it's your kind of setup of a person who cries wolf, right? Where yeah. if I'm pulling a prank and then he gets jabbed with actual poison because he's like foaming at the mouth, it's all fake. And his girlfriend is like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> he actually gets jabbed and it takes her a minute to realize like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, but like, it looks like the reanimator fluid that he gets injected with. I have no clue. Like what, what it's supposed, it's just, you know, toxic poison. Something business. Gross. Something, something deadly. Um, we see a really cool scene of, uh, like shot of Dr. Giggles and it's like, um, like it's looking up. And he's standing in the doorway with his, like, syringe and there's, like, light beaming behind him. And it just looked really epic. And I was just like, this is such a villain entrance. It's so cool. It's very much, like, it it gives you almost a similar vibe of the shot of uh, Father Merrick coming up to the house in The Exorcist with street light. Yeah. And that, you know, it's that very much that presentation of, here's a character that you're following right now um agreed and i also love that you get a lot of shots of him interestingly enough in this film like you get a lot of shots of him just like eyeball of him looking at shit 
So it's cool to have like an establishing like our a good look of him, an epic look of him, because so many of the shots are I think much more kind of reeled in. Yeah, lots of like face and hands and rather than like um full scale. Full full scale? Yeah. Is that the, is that the word? And I wonder I if it's just because it's, you know, it's Larry Drake. Larry Drake is not like, you know, when we think of slasher people, especially now, we think of like wrestling stars. We think of people that are like, just have this really intimidating and large build that if they are coming for you, they kind of incite fear. Where if Larry Drake is coming up to you on the street, you're like, what's up? Hey, how you going? What about it? It's like, (laughs) Um, yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, it's a really, really cool shot. Yeah, I really love it. Um, I love that while this is all going on and all the screamings happening, Mrs. Peterson is next door. Like, what the fuck is going on? So she gets Erica. She goes over next door. She's on the porch yelling at them that she's going to call the cops to, and whoever's inside better get out of there. Um, and this is where we see the first, like, eyeball kind of shot. So uh, Mrs. Peterson actually looks through the keyhole and uh, Dr. Giggles appears and we see his eye up close. He giggles and it scares Mrs. Peterson and she runs away from the house. <laughs> yeah, in a really cool, I think, moment where you're also establishing territory much like what you do with Jason at Crystal Lake, Michael Myers at the Myers house in Haddonfield. Like they got to, they've got to put their, their flag on their land. Yeah. They, you're, you're now trespassing and nothing good will come from you over here. So I, yeah, it's a really, it's, it's a really great way to establish that you're getting a little bit of history, but also establishing those lines. Yeah. Obviously, Mrs. Peterson would have known everything that went on at the house, so she's probably sick of teenagers being there. And, you know, she went over there, full bag of confidence, and then heard that and saw that, and she's like, ah, no, 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 no. I know what happened in this house. I'm out. (laughs) But see, I also wonder, because it had happened so long ago, you know, like, I... I often think, like, was this something that was common? Were teenagers always kind of going and wrecking havoc? Probably. In this house, somehow. Um, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, the house is in obvious disrepair because it's just been idle. Yeah. And not cared for. But it also hasn't been, like, demolished. It hasn't been, like, you're, you're not seeing all of these signs of, you know, people being in there and having parties or whatever. So it's really interesting to be like, is this honestly the first group of teenagers that have gone to this house that has <laughs> this kind of history to it and are poking around and she's like, oh, no, no, I must check. So I wonder if she just is like, this is gone, like, no. I, this house has bad vibes and I will protect anyone that try to, I will try to assuage anyone from coming here. Get out. Um, and uh, if I, but I'm not 
I'm not putting my life on the line for this place. No. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm, I'll do the minimum. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Please don't, but thanks. <laughs> uh, Jennifer and Max are sitting in Max's car, uh, in like next to the carnival. So I'm guessing the teenagers are all having like a pre-party before they go over to the carnival. I don't know what teenagers do. I was a teenager 17 years ago, so <laughs> I don't know what they do. Um, he pulls out a bottle of whiskey and starts to swig from the bottle. Jennifer can't drink because of her heart monitor, so she defends her decision not to drink by, you know, um, telling him, can't we just have fun without drinking? Because obviously you want to be able to join in, and if you can't, you get pretty defensive. I used to anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I like... One of the things that I think is really cool about her as a character is that, yeah, she's very much like, hey, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, mm. when she decides to drink and when she decides to, like, do it, it has nothing to do with him. Yeah. It has nothing to do with anything else. It's her reaction to, like, dealing with her illness. Yeah. And so I like that you know, even though he obviously is like, I'm going to drink, I'm going to do this, whatever, she is, there's a, a weird level of respect yeah. between them to where he's like, I'm not going to, like, force feed you this whiskey. I'm not going to do whatever. Like, here's what I want to do. If you want to do it, make that choice on your own, whatever. So I, it, there's kind of that low-key element to it that I actually think is really cool and actually yeah. I think makes the whole disability element much more profound because it's not someone forcing her to oh I need you know this has kept me from doing X with my boyfriend or yeah. X with my friends it's just her kind of processing it yeah and it's also not him saying you're disability has stopped me from doing x yeah he's not kind of guilting her and being like yeah because of you i can't have a good time it's like well i'm gonna do me because i'm not the one with the heart monitor and she's like yeah. legit right. that's fine like that's just not, yeah she's like that's just not me and it'd be cool if we could do something where we could do this instead and yeah yeah i it's in this film, it is a shockingly kind of respectful and slightly more nuanced, I think, approach to that kind of dynamic than what you would anticipate. Yeah, absolutely. I Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, the police show up and basically shoo all of the teenagers out. I love the spiel that the cop gives. <laughs> To get them all out of there. I can't remember what he says, but one of the police officers says to the main officer, you live for that shit, don't you? And that'd totally be me as a police officer. I'd be in, right, everyone, show's over. Let's let's go. I'm not going to give anyone any tickets. I'm not going to tell your parents, but y'all better get out of here. Yeah. And I love that you're dealing with, again, kind of a trope, but I think the way that it's actually done in this film is really kind of cool is that you have your you know kind of hardened i've been on the job for so long 
and this is my history. And then you have someone that's newer um, and they have a really kind of interesting dynamic. Like you were saying, like I, I really kind of enjoy their kind of their relationship and that you're actually able to appreciate them as both, you know, a team of cops that are working on this as well as just kind of individual people. Yeah, yeah, they're really cool. Their names are uh, Reitz and, oh, I can't remember the other one. I've got his name down here. It's like Magruder? Yeah, Magruder, that's right, yeah. Um, when they get back into the car, they hear over the radio that they have a situation that they need to attend to. It's actually the house of Dr. Giggles um, because someone has reported uh, screaming from the house. Uh, Mrs. Peterson is getting ready for bed. She's doing her her face washing routine. She's getting her medication done. She settles into bed, and I love that on the newspaper that she's reading, it's like uh, more sightings of Elvis reported <laughs> or multiple sightings. And I was like, oh my god, she's reading like a conspiracy newspaper. I love this. She would. <laughs> Um, she actually uh, begins to start choking on basically thin air and she's struggling to breathe. She falls off the bed, reaches for the phone, and she's calling the emergency line for help. Um, after hanging up, she looks up from the floor to see Dr. Giggles standing in her bedroom and he says to her, lucky I make house calls. And he proceeds to perform a, basically a physical exam. He's you know, he's got the the tongue thing out. He's checking her throat. Um, it's all quite comical in a way as well. Yeah. I think that's one of the things. And again, w- the film pulls no punches with letting you know, like, they are setting these all up as very over-the-top, humorous, exaggerated type moments. Um because yeah, it's he's giving her this physical exam. He pulls out all of these instruments, and it's he's in full fucking doctor pun mode. Yeah, <laughs> like that's his language. Like he doesn't speak English. He only speaks doctor pun. Yeah, so that's it. Translator ready. Like <laughs> you need a pen and paper. That- write these down. Yeah, like, I hope you have Duolingo, because you're gonna need, like, Rosetta Stone, whatever, like, brush up on your doctor pun language, because that's him. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, shows impeccable bedside manner in making this house house call, and, yeah, it it ends well for her. Does it? Successful physical. <laughs> successful physical. Well, in if, in his in his books, yes. Yeah, like a person that was not on his list has yeah somehow ended up there. Yeah, like Good every other person. But he um uses a tongue depressor to stab right up her nostril, obviously into her brain, killing her. Pretty brutal. Yeah, and that's not like. Here's what I love is that from a very young age, especially from a disability perspective, there's this whole, and being born with a disability, I think 
From a young age, there's this lack of autonomy. Your body belongs to the doctors yeah. that you see and you're poked and you're prodded and it's uncomfortable and it's painful and you never know what's going on. There's always this fear. Even if something is explained to you and it it does become cartoonish and grotesque in your mind as you're like, I have to go in and do the CT scan. I have to get this ultrasound done. I have to, uh, you know, do all of these things. And it's horrifying. And I love that there's this perspective. And I think maybe intentional, more than likely not. But because you're your main character or our our final girl of sort um is someone with a congenital heart defect so probably something that she was born with or developed extremely young in life um because like she has a valve problem well i have two metal valves in my heart because i was born with a heart condition where my body just had a completely underdeveloped cardiovascular system. And so I, there seems to be a lens of this film that's very almost youth and childlike. Yeah. Of the horrors of going to a doctor, of going Absolutely. to a dentist. Yeah. And so I love that our first, like, you know, our, our first kind of intimate, um, where we get to see him really play with his victim. I love that he just goes full force into kind of that medical horror cartoonish element because it just says, this is what this film really is. Yeah. And it is very childlike and cartoonish. And I think that makes it really enjoyable and relatable as well because you as an adult you remember what it was like going to the doctors as a kid oh he's gonna give me a needle he's gonna do this to me oh you only go to the doctors yeah. if there's something wrong with you like well, it'd be like, stressful well, and people don't understand that if you as a you know i'm 40 if i go to the doctor now and i you know still clench when I'm getting a shot or yeah. something, it's because something like I was horrified as a kid. Nothing to do with anything that happened to me as an adult. And yeah. getting that shot as a kid was probably was fine. I'm alive. I'm cool. Everything you didn't think good. so then, though. <laughs> yeah, like, but those things stick with you. And so yeah. I love that so much of the medical and trauma is informed by what you see or you interpret and process as a kid because yeah the kid she's in high school and she's scared she you know going back to that first scene with her when she's getting fitted with the monitor she's talking to the surgeon and he's like you gotta wear this and you're gonna come back next week and we'll look at the readings and we'll see what we need to do and she's scared. She's like, yeah. weak. That's and, a long time for a teenager. <laughs> yeah. And that's scary because you want to know, like, 
is something really wrong? Is something, and, you know, the doctor is telling her, like, it's probably fine. You don't, you know, we probably don't even need to do the surgery, just something to monitor, and this is going to help us know. But I, there's a brilliance to how they build on that so that when Dr. Giggles gets in full mode, is tapping into that, again, that youthful fear of, I have no autonomy, no yeah. medical autonomy. Yeah. Um, the police, um, <laughs> they head over to Dr. Giggle's house and they are inside and McGruder, McGruder, uh, McGruder, is telling Reeks about the house because he doesn't know too much about the urban legend. He might be new to town, maybe. Um, but he's talking about how the doctor went crazy in, on a murderous spree because his wife was sick and needed a new heart. So he was killing his patients to try and find a new heart for his wife. And I think the transplant situation wasn't going as planned. And so he went a little bit, um, a little bit crazy in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get we get the setup that as a doctor, his wife was really sick. He wanted to, he had like a heart issue. Apparently, the same heart issue that um, our, our main character has, yeah, or something similar. And so it's you know he as a doctor wants to be able to fix it, can't, and uh spins him down yeah um i actually kind of really love these flashbacks yeah i did too i was just like okay i like i like the exposition without i i I like it when exposition and flashbacks are done really well and it's still done in that comedic way that the rest of the film is shot so it doesn't feel out of place at all it doesn't but there's also like there's a sadness yeah. to it because you're like, uh, you know, this isn't someone that just completely flipped. It was someone that was desperately wanting to save their their spouse. Yeah. And then flipped. And I, I really love how the backstory is kind of weaved. Mm. into the film i think it's really really effective yeah it was done really well because there's um a couple of these flashbacks that provide obviously more and more information and it's oh this yeah my favorite scene is in one of the flashbacks so (laughs) um they back at the carnival jennifer max her uh on the ferris wheel talking about her heart monitor and he says to her that, um, you know, why didn't you let me know? This is something we can do together. And she's like, you know, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. You know, I'm such a sad sap. My mom dies and all I can complain about is myself. And it's like, you're a teenager and you're allowed to be worried and express that worry and that guilt and that anger that you might feel about this. It's, that's normal. That's fine. But, um, yeah, she makes, she, uh, she makes the decision not to really discuss it with him, which is fine as well. Yeah, and I think that that's something, again, that's really shockingly, it's just, 
something that really hit because you know I when I had my last heart surgery I was with a partner and everything kind of happened really quickly and so like I thought I was just going in for a checkup and ended up being admitted into the ICU oh wow were, like uh, <laughs> uh there's some like your heart's exploding right now wow so you gotta go in for surgery and so I texted and like I'm not gonna be home for dinner <laughs> um like gotta have open heart surgery going into the ICU um oh my gosh. feed the cats and whatever like have a good night what enjoy your D&D and I'll chat with you and like it's hard because you don't yeah. want to be alarming a burden and you don't and so especially as a kid like <laughs> I I get that and I think especially you know one of the things that we've only hit on is that she has this really bizarre family dynamic yeah with her dad and stepmom or she's it's, definitely stepmom or I think is she stepmom or she's girlfriend? just girlfriend okay so they have a really weird yeah dynamic and which is fine but I I don't know like it again I I like that this character that you know to be honest she doesn't get a ton to do there isn't like a lot of you know, when we think about the pantheon of final characters that you know at the end have just gone through hell and we've learned so much about them she's not one of them but i love that we get these moments with her where she's like you know what <laughs> it's our senior year end of senior year you want to go and do whatever you want to do and i'm just bringing you down and i don't want to talk about my dead mom i don't want to talk about my heart like deal with it and yeah. i i appreciate that they actually gave that character that moment where it wasn't her just being like uh feeling all this guilt it was more like no i just don't want to talk about it i don't want it to impact yeah. our time together yeah i'd rather do this now and that can wait <laughs> yeah um she decides uh that well she actually talks about how her mother had died that she'd gone in for routine surgery she just never saw her again she's been she had these nightmares after losing her mother and they've started coming back again she decides that she just wants to be alone and heads back to her house <laughs> when she gets home she hears her dad and his girlfriend uh getting it on and she's just frustrated at this point goes into her room and dumps her heart monitor into her fish tank um outside we see dr giggles standing under a lamppost i've written very exorcist of him <laughs> exactly so we get another like kind of here's a character moment yeah with how he's framed because he again you don't get a ton of those moments i always mm. <laughs> like i want to say my heart breaks but my heart's already broken um like 
I, I always feel a little bit bad in the moment where she dumps the heart monitor in the fish tank because a that shit is expensive <laughs> and yeah. like what kind of a what kind of insurance girl like no Don't oh do that. child that's that's costing someone something <laughs> and that's gonna be costing your dad yeah a like, pretty penny <laughs> like I hope your lifespan is short because you're not going to college. So that college fund is literally paying for this heart monitor that you just oh. killed fishes with. Why? <laughs> Why you do this? Um, Teenagers. No. It's but there's that moment of also just like being like pissed off and being yeah. like, this is so annoying and I hate it and I don't want to deal with it and. A really like over the top moment, but yeah. something that's actually like no, you're not. I I don't think a person is actually just going to flop. No <laughs> expensive piece of medical equipment into water, but I think that there's this very real moment where it's like I'm done. I just I, I cannot function with everything right now yeah it's like if i put it in the water then it doesn't exist anymore see you later yeah just like her fish will no longer exist because <laughs> she killed them <laughs> um so two of jennifer's friends who are also unnamed um arrive at the young male's house and they sneak in past the younger brother playing video games up to his room to have sex uh the boyfriend has asked the girl to dress up in this situation in like this like black get up and she says if I'm dressing up then so are you and hands him a condom <laughs> so one of the things to point out is that the outfit that he is asking her to dress up in is his mom's oh, oh no yeah something no. that on repeated viewings, I didn't necessarily get, but going back to that We Hate Movies episode where they're like, wait a minute, he talked about his mom. Oh like, this is God. his mom's lingerie that he took oh and is asking him, no, it's so gross. Oh, my tummy hurts. <laughs> like, I'm not, and I'm not king shaming, but what? I am asking questions i'm asking hygiene questions <laughs> yeah i'm asking questions <laughs> not king shaming just wanting wanting to feel not this <laughs> whatever this feeling is don't like it yeah <laughs> um so he goes into the bathroom with the condom can't figure it out for the light i don't know what's wrong with this kid like he opens it he it it's falls into education. the toilet <laughs> Public education is uh, with this kid. Public sex ed. Not teaching yeah. you proper, like, procedure. But he fishes I, it out with his toothbrush. No. Like, none of this works. Absolutely no choice he makes is right or no. makes any sense. <laughs> but teenage boys are gross, so I don't yeah, doubt that's happened. But I, oh, it just made me, I'm like, oh, no, like mm, when no, like dipping 
toothbrush into the toilet to fish out. I'm like, oh, God. That's... So I was like, what the fuck? It's and then it's got holes in it. One of the most disgusting moments of the film. Yeah. It's like, I want to know how the holes got in it. Well, I mean, he was was fishing around for a while with the toothbrush. Well, that and probably being a teen boy, maybe he had gotten that condom 5,000 million years ago. ago, (laughs) And it had set, and it's of no use. Like, again, he is a. They're both victims of public American sex sex education. at that yeah. time but i i the bit that really grossed me out is he put the condom on and then says hopefully she won't notice yeah no also no excuse That's, me <laughs> like are you okay <laughs> well it's you know that's when you are like you know what that's called that's yeah that's, that's called assault. That's called not yeah. consent. That's Ex- yeah, exactly. And so I was really surprised. Uh, actually, you know what? It's the nineties. I'm not surprised that was no. in the movie. And, and that's no. the thing. Like it very much fits in the time. But yeah, yeah, like it's one of those things now to where it's like none of this would have worked. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, first off, she would have been more than likely she would have been on birth control. Yeah, she would have been like, "Here's your condom." Put it on. He would have put it on, and not that would have been it. Like they would have actually had some type of skill set to do those things. Because I think, as deplorable as I think a lot of sex ed still remains, I think we've gotten to a place where at least people know about contraceptives. Yeah. So yeah, I God that scene. I don't. And he never takes down his pants. And that's the other thing that <laughs> he just put it on over the top of his pants. Like his jeans never really budge, and it's like I too wear pants, <laughs> and my genitals can't do genital things with pants on. They're covered. Like that's a mess. That's an absolute mess. What are you doing, like child? You don't even know. Like, are you going to put it on your arm? Yeah, he put it on his fingers. On his fingers, he's just... Yeah, like, (laughs) hey, you know what? That's probably safer. Yeah, but still, no, like, (laughs) this is, this is an area, this is an area, and they are, if you're using them, you can't... Put it on pants. That's with someone fully covered in jeans. (laughs) My friend, you're missing a whole uh, part of the process. While he's struggling in the bathroom, um, Dr. Giggles has snuck into the house, uh, snuck behind the younger sibling playing video games, and um, it attacks uh, the young girlfriend uh, while she's waiting for the struggling condom boyfriend to get back out of the bathroom. He covers her mouth. And he says something about, lucky for you, I've discovered the only known cure for the common cold. And he pulls out a thermometer that has quite a, like, a large stabby end, which I was really surprised about. And he forces it straight into, under her tongue. And I'm guessing it goes through to her brain. 
it kills her, spurting blood all over his face. And his response is, leave it in for at least a minute. And then ducks off. <laughs> yeah. More medical pun. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was weird. So he said, I, I didn't understand kind of the whole thing here because yeah. she walks out of the room. And so he says, going back to what you pointed out about the cold comment, she mentions like it's freezing cold in this house. Yeah. Because they've, Apparently, I assume so. They're at the house of his, of him, and his parents. They're away. Maybe he was staying somewhere or going to be whatever while they're gone. And so the thermostat is turned real low. So she's like, I'm very, very cold. And so there's actually a connect to the I yeah the, the common for the common cold yeah um but it's still like he only speaks <laughs> in doctor tone <laughs> um the boyfriend returns back to a darkened room and i love this scene um he he's talking about how he had access to his mum's victoria's secret catalog um <laughs> climbs under the sheets and as he's like climbing in sees Dr. Giggles laying there waiting for him um I can't remember what he says to him but he proceeds to castrate the teenager leaving the boy in the bed with blood soaked sheets where his penis once was yeah so it's very much akin I think to I think it's kind of an homage of sorts to kind of the um, coitus post coitus kills that we yeah. see in like Friday the Thirteenth films and whatever. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> when you see the blood kind of pulling. I was like, oh, um, I realized what had happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, that's not. Oh, you, you certainly did not use protection. <laughs> Oh, that's what he says. Um, you yeah. better have you better you better have protection. That's yeah. right. Uh, Jennifer's sitting at home looking at pictures of her mom and her boyfriend Max. She's having some wine. Uh, she decides she's going to go back out. She grabs a coat and leaves. We see a shadow in the kitchen move. There is a door slam, uh, which alerts her dad, who decides he's going to go check in on Jennifer, who isn't home. He sees that she's left the heart monitor behind. He panics and he follows after her to find her. He goes and tells Tamara, I'm going to go look for Jennifer. Do you want to come with me? And she's like, absolutely not. She's trying to tear us apart. Yeah, she, again, I there's, I think, a lot of potential with this character. Yeah. Um, where it could have been slightly less evil stepmom evil mm. new girlfriend but um yeah i i always thought that was kind of weird and it's like the dad doesn't seem at all just moved by this no and so it's like, like she's probably <laughs> like she's probably been like fuck your girl um, fuck, you, fuck, fuck you, fuck your kid. Yeah, like, your daughter's a, a 
monster and I hate her. And you don't really see her being antagonistic towards no. her. She's just very, you know, it's teenager business. She just doesn't care. She's just yeah, like, like mm-hmm. she's she's a teen. She's gonna be in her feelings about stuff. Yeah. And so I, yeah, that scene and that moment, I'm kind of like, you could have had a character that was maybe dialed down, yeah, a notch or two, but. At the same time, you really can't because you kind of it then kind of you makes need you that? enjoy what Yeah. <laughs> when she gets her comeuppance for being a bitch. Um so there's like a shortcut scene. We see Max hanging around the carnival. He's got a stuffed pig with him, which I thought was very cute. Uh, he's approached by two girls, I'm assuming they're like the popular girls, and they invite him to a big bash over at the main building. Don't know where the main building is. Don't know what it is. It's not cool. for us to know. We, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the thing. <laughs> uh, at the main house, Tamara um, is, put, is scooping ice cream into a bowl, eating and crying in the dark. <laughs> so emo. <laughs> yeah. It's very much like that, that gif of like, bitch me too yeah <laughs> me every day yeah like okay maybe not but, the crying like, but sitting in but the dark at eating the same ice time cream. It's like you know why you are crying is because you're awful yeah you hate a teenager and she's yeah like she's just a kid oh don't that's be, weird don't be this way don't be weird <laughs> um yeah. she flings ice cream at the mirror uh which i thought was so stupid but when she wipes it clean she sees the medical bag sitting on the bed behind her it's dr giggles bag he appears behind her and shoves gauze into her mouth he then examines the ice cream bowl and says to her all that fat all that sugar we got to start taking better care of ourselves remember we are what we eat they have a saying what goes down must come up and at that moment shoves a vacuum stomach pump tube into her mouth um and sucks out the ice cream and then her stomach afterwards <laughs> yeah and this is real um uh, so yeah. this is at the desk this is probably i think although not the most graphic in terms of like you only see like the blood yeah in the bowl um but um I had like a feeding tube for like during high school and it was a nasal like goes down through your stomach. Yeah. And so you would constantly like if the tube was like rubbing up against your throat or was doing something, you would like hack up blood. Oh my gosh. Like, it would just become really irritated. Yeah. And it's just, like, uh, just, like, that type of thing is really, really, um, I don't know. Like, it just really hits me in a certain way. Yeah. But I, I, you know, again, this is, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this like i think that this is honestly a piece that if 
they were to remake this or adapt this in some way, this would be a scene that just simply wouldn't exist. No, I don't think this is something that, um, especially with like body and medical horror, that they'd go down that path. Just because it would be kind of traumatizing or triggering to some people. And it's just something that I think a lot of people aren't interested in seeing. Well, and it's just like she ate a bowl of ice cream. Yeah. Like, and he's body shaming her. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Way too much. Yeah. And she literally just had a fucking bowl of ice cream. Like, it just wouldn't fly. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like this is something that. And it's kind of fun to go back and watch some of these films and, you know, again, critique them, but also be like, I get why, like, I have a very, like, intense read of this film, of, of this scene in this film right now, but it's, like, if I were to remake it or if I wanted to see a remake, what would that look like? How would yeah. this particular scene play out? Because I think it's kind of, it's an interesting scene. Um, because I think it's also, I, I think they're trying to say a lot, yeah. but missing the mark on most of it. Yeah. And you gotta remember the 1990s were a time where we had, you know, some of the biggest supermodels to have ever existed. And that I think might've been a reflection of the pressure that those kinds of uh, beauty standards would have had on teenagers and just even the way men view women and women view themselves and so it might not necessarily have the intention to be harmful but maybe reflect the harmful attitudes at the time well I think you were also really getting into a whole different level of diet culture yeah where you were starting to see like south beach diet this is how you stay super thin and super restrictive diets and and doctors were supporting that shit in the 90s (laughs) yeah and so i think that this film is kind of like actually bringing some of that in which you know today is like not what we do so but yeah it's so like the minute that you see the blood come yeah i was like Ew. into the ice cream i'm like oh. Oh. <laughs> um so oh there's while he's here he is after he's killed tomorrow dr giggles is having a look around the house and finds a brochure about jennifer's possible heart condition it's kind of telling her information about um the heart monitor and whatnot and this triggers a flashback to the moment that his mother passed away and it's a really uncomfortable scene um, because his dad is sitting on one side of the bed and he is seen like visibly sobbing, but it then turns into like this maniacal laughter and the son is joining in on it. And I was just like, what the hell? Yeah, it seemed like a really haphazard way to bring in the giggles. Element. Yeah. But people do laugh when they're stressed, when they're anxious, when they're sad, when they're uncomfortable. And so, like, I totally understood that because if I get yelled at by somebody or I'm being in I will laugh. Sure. And I think that it's actually, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there were probably maybe some different ways to, like, not make it just seem, like, so abrupt, like, 
Sobbing, yeah. <laughs> sobbing, intense sadness. Ah, ha, 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 I'm a maniacal, now I'm a maniacal doctor. Um, but I, yeah, it's really, I, I really do, like, the flashback scenes, honestly, I think, full stop, pretty much work for me. I, yeah. I like that you're actually, I feel like it doesn't go too far. It doesn't, like, give you too much. It doesn't, like, you get, you're not given Dr. Giggs as... <laughs> Dr. Giggs? Uh, <laughs> call him Dr. Giggs. You don't get him as, like, a teenager. You don't get him yeah. in his mid-twenties, like, going for for his MCATs. You don't get any of that. I don't think he, he went was, for those. <laughs> he didn't. My real doctor, BT Dubs. Um, but he, like, it doesn't focus on that. It's just like, hey, he was a really fucked up kid. Yeah. And this is why. You know, and so I kind of appreciate that we, the the flashback scenes really allow that story to develop enough so that it doesn't feel like a bunch of just extraneous exposition. We actually yeah. get something that, oh, okay, I totally get now these bits. Nice, simple, straight to the point. There you go. No confusion needed. <laughs> and they also do it in a vignette too, which I really liked. <laughs> um, so Jennifer goes back to the par- uh, to the carnival to find Max. She's accosted by... Um, Oh, one of uh, the girls that Max uh, previously hung out with. Um, she goes into the room to find Max on the ground making out with another girl. Like, they're rolling around on the ground at this point. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, he... <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, child. You... I love that um, she says to him, at least I know which one of us is really sick. And I was like, yes, yes, girl. Yeah. And again, she's like, all right, well, now I'm just going to fucking move on. And Yeah. She's like, all right, so fuck it. Um, cool. She leaves back out into the carnival, sees her dad, and she darts off into the house of mirrors. She's like, I'm not dealing with his shit. I just had to deal with Max's shit. Um, and Dr. Giggles has followed her to the carnival. He's figured out that she's at the carnival somehow. Um, so inside the House of Mirrors, Jennifer is wandering around. Max has followed her in. The girl that he's making out with follows her in. Her name is Corrine. Um, and I really like this scene because there's like um, all these blurry images. There's like doubles and triples of the, like uh, there's darkness, there's echoes. And it just was a really trippy scene. Like, I don't know, it was just really, um, it kind of was like a Beetlejuice scene, almost. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I love that you bring up Beetlejuice, because I think it's very much a film that echoes a lot of the same tonality of yeah. just kind of this really bizarre, <laughs> weird, almost like sad, just very sad horror but puts it in a, a carnival bright lights uh setting and yeah. puts it in a whole different kind of realm and so i think that's so apt so apt yeah um 
Dr. Giggle sneaks up on Corrine and I, what happens to her? Because I can't, I kept rewinding to see what happens, but we don't actually see what happens to her, do we? Okay. No, it's I thought I might have missed something. like an off-screen. <laughs> yeah, kill. She's, but I think she is part of the um, people at the end where we see where all of their hearts have been. Yeah. Escalated. Yeah. So whether she got like I don't know. yeah and and I kind of feel that she's one of those characters that I wasn't mad that we didn't get a grandiose death because oh, she didn't no. really <laughs> do that much yeah um Jennifer runs into Max but it's through like glass because there's obviously in I don't know I won't go into a house of mirrors because I swear it'll make me sick um, but I know there's like glass and then there's also mirrors. So you think you've run into somebody, but there's like glass between you and you're like, where the fuck am I? Um, so Jennifer runs into Dr. Giggles and um, she trips and falls back through one of the the mirrors before managing to like get away from him. Uh, he obviously wants her for his own purpose um, so he can like reach his goal of you know saving someone's life with a heart condition, and he says to her, "Trust me, I'm a doctor." And I was like, "No, that's that's the last thing I would do if a doctor said that to me." Yeah, and he's he's not. He's not, and he's not a doctor. <laughs> not bur- like no board, no, no board certification, no no residency, no practice, all all malpractice, if anything. Yeah, all malpractice, no golf. No. Um, like, just just bad, bad, bad practices. Not good bedside manner. No. no. Uh, totally. Uh, you know, if he's in network, go elsewhere. <laughs> go somewhere else. Yeah, like, that's the time where you pay for out-of-network care. This is a little <laughs> bit of about the American insurance company business infrastructure. Like, if you are tied to an insurance policy and it's like you must choose a cardiologist that is in network and you see him pop up, Don't you're like, it. you know what? <laughs> I'm paying out of pocket. Something tells me I need to go somewhere else. Yeah, you know what I don't need? That, that. kidney. I don't need that kidney. I don't need it. I do you need my heart. It. So uh, I'll sell my kidney to save my heart. And I'm going out of network. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, healthcare. <laughs> I can't say that here because if I wanted to get a heart operation, it'd be free. Um, <laughs> if I had a heart attack and needed a transplant, it'd be free. Oh. No, my cat My cat has my debt. <laughs> my she cat has my will inherit debt. my debt. <laughs> That's why I'm not going to have kids. Because I'll be like, you try and get the debt off my cat. She's out in Hawaii living her fucking best life. After selling my organs after I died on the bathroom floor, yeah, let her live her best life. Don't you, well, don't again, you go like, after her. My cat's going to consume me. And then it'll be like, who the fuck is Nicole? She There's never had a heart no, surgery. Where's she, the proof of life? Yeah, she never existed. She didn't she even exist. She lives now inside me. In, <laughs> yeah. And your cat's in like Mauritius, sipping on cocktails, eating shrimp. No, she's vegan. She's vegan. Oh, well, she uh, vegan shrimp. 
yeah. She's She definitely went vegan after eating your insides, though. (laughs) Yeah, she takes a break. Yeah. Um She just you know, she she knows what's up. Again, very Batman returns, very can my person return nope. Well Too bad I already ate her. Like she's like this is plentiful. Oops. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like Hey, I need a snack. It's two o'clock. <laughs> There's an alarm. So yeah, like I totally get like it's I and and now we're kind of getting into the third section of the film yeah. where I think the tone changes. Even it really does, more. doesn't it? It gets a bit sinister. It gets sinister and it gets erotic. He's trying, like, there's, like, an erotic undertone to him. He, like, he becomes I'm trying to, maybe I need to watch it again. He becomes a little bit more sexual with her. He does say a few off-kilter things. Yeah, and it makes me uncomfortable. Because when he's with the other people that are, like, actually engaging, like, about to engage in sex, he's very kind of divorced from that element of it. Yeah. To where now he's there's a few creepy comments and it's like oh, stop that <laughs> like you could have, like this was a script like rewrite that could have happened but it didn't but it didn't because people needed naps and maybe like early 90s cocaine still a thing oh uh, yeah true i forgot about that <laughs> so they're probably like we're good don't worry about it. Everyone's doing coke. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> um, Jennifer falls out of the house of mirrors onto the grass in a nearby, uh, like she like. It's such a weird scene for me because she like falls out of the house, then she's in a forest, and then she's like near her own house, and um, yeah, we running in front of a police about... car. I was like, what? Doesn't matter. We don't talk about the the setting and okay. like this is some. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like some. Like, if there are people who have tried to go through and, like, do, like, an actual map and tracking of, like, the original Friday the 13th. Yeah. Like, this is how the killer would actually move Mm. through the space and do it. You can't hear. Like, you don't go, like, I'm over here. Now I'm five miles away in this wood. Whoops. You fell out a window. No, that's. She can walk everywhere. Maybe they just live in really small town wherever they are. I mean, they do, but still, I also lived in a small town, and I didn't like walk oh, three steps. Well, I fell out my window into this wood four miles <laughs> away. How awkward of me! Like, well, no. this is weird. <laughs> um. So she runs into the police. Uh, Max is also at the police station telling him, every- telling them everything that had happened in the House of Mirrors. Um, the police chief doesn't believe him, but uh, the two officers that Jennifer ran into have just arrived back at the, the police station. Jennifer's at the hospital getting checked to make sure that she's okay. Um, and they believe what's going on. So Magruder... Um, tells Reitz Reitz, um, in the locker room the story about Dr. Rendell 
And he says that he was a police officer who actually came across the body of Rendell's wife at the morgue. And he saw... Um, he saw the seven-year-old Dr. Giggles, also known as Evan Jr., cut his way out of the corpse of his mother with a scalpel, revealing how he was able to get away from the people who had come to the house to murder his father. Yeah, it's... Oh. My favourite scene. Yeah, it's so good. I love, so in rewatching it, one of the things that I really focused in on, so um, there's this film that came out around the same time called The Unborn. Um, And it is bananas. But it is also like, there's a sequence of like a fetus burrowing itself out from oh, this wow. point, which is fine. Like, we've all seen Alien, and that's what happens. Like, you eat a bad burrito, you have a fetus in your stomach. <laughs> Stuff is just gonna, you know, it's just it's gonna, gonna happen. out. And we all hope for for grace. Um, but I love that there's this whole shadow moment where you can tell it's like a puppet. Oh, I didn't even didn't and even notice. And it just looks so bizarre. Um, I'm gonna go back and watch see, it. Like this little kid, because like the body of the mom is so contorted, yeah, and bloated, and so like how someone didn't be like, hey, that's weird. That's not right. Like it looks like she has a human inside her. Should we check it? Should no. we should we do something? No. no. And <laughs> but no, like you can see like there's this weird like as he's like crawling like, his way yeah, out. Yeah, he's kind of like wiggling out. <laughs> I was kind of yeah. like, oh. <laughs> I loved it. But though. yeah, you do like a shadow thing and you can like it looks very much like a a like a a puppet on the string oh. where it's just like I'm gonna watch that scene again. <laughs> this crazy so ass kid puppet. It's so good. Yeah, because he kind of like crawls out of the body and then he's covered in blood and sits in a corner with a scalpel, laughing to himself. Well, and um, Magruder says like it was like he was being reborn. Yeah, um, and it's very much that like he's coming out of the mother's body. And he's yeah. covered in, like, viscera and grossness and is laughing. And, um, but one of the things that I find really interesting about the scene is that he does nothing to Magruder. Mm. He does absolutely nothing. He just fucking pieces out. Yeah. He doesn't harm him because he has a scalpel. Yeah, like, well, to like, have cut himself out. <laughs> yeah, but you, like, he's maniacally laughing. This kid is now beyond. And, but is like, this fucked up scene knocked my ass out. He's like, I just passed out. Yeah. I can't blame anything. I can't, like, I can't blame it on the alcohol. I can't blame it on 
whatever. Like, it was just seeing this kid dig itself out of the corpse of his parent. And he's like, I passed out, and then the kid was gone, but he cleaned up afterwards. So I was like, <laughs> that seems chill. Ah, my job. That's cool. He, at least he cleaned up the mess. Thanks, and thanks, that, buddy. <laughs> and what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about that throwaway line of like everything was cleaned up after he left? Like, that's a little bit strange, but it's also like, um, the whole myth- like uh, how doctors and surgeons and nurses are very methodical in being clean. Okay, I like that because it's just, it's always been like one of those lines that it's there for a reason, but it just never hits like exactly, I think, to me in that right way. But you're exactly right. I think it is about like this kid that has seen his father a doctor be so methodical and clean and sterile so that he's done this and now cleans up the scene and then like what goes to the seven eleven and gets <laughs> Well he ends up in a in an asylum. Yeah but what for is like he, thirty like, years or something. Well, yeah. But if the doctor like passes out there's no one to say hey this kid just literally harvested itself <laughs> from the corpse. Like, there's like, who, who's watching for him? Like, he can literally yeah. go to like Chuck E. Cheese he can do what he wants. play skee-ball yeah. and, like, get tickets, eat some pizza, go to a movie, like, do whatever. And no can he also take the cop's wallet? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like, okay, so you're alive. What's your wallet look like? Do you have your credit card? Do you have that cash that you had? I need some pizza, sir. Yeah, like, okay, just spent, like, a lot of time in my mom's corpse. Super <laughs> hungry right now. Really need, like, pizza. I need, I would like to get some new pants. <laughs> I really need, need a new pair of pants. I'd really like some shoes, because, like, shoes weren't efficient when I was in the corpse. Oh, See, we don't see that. We don't see if he has shoes on. If ah. Ben didn't, how the how is he walking? That's uncomfortable. That's really painful. You're also, get, if he's like, got no shoes on, heels. slip hazard. Slip hazard. You're going to get cracked heels, and that's going to be sad for you. So, like, no, nothing. Like, I bet that he took the wallet, and that guy was like, I saw some really bad stuff, and I didn't even register that. Didn't care about my wallet because I just saw Didn't give a shit. literally a child cut himself out of a corpse. Was very upset about that. Nothing else mattered. So I kind of get Gruder at this moment being yeah. like, "This is really fucked up." And this kid was like, "Cool, kind of like." So that was fun. Um... Yeah. And like, how did he time that? Like, how how do you time this? He, he would have like, been able to hear some things in the corpse. Well, but I mean, yes, but I'm like, how do you time your cleanup to be like, hmm. oh, I just completely fucking destroyed this guy's day. So <laughs> need to wipe down this. I'm going to clean all this up for him. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the thing. I'm going to wipe down this counter. going to, you know, uh, put my mom like over here, I guess. Maybe sew up the open wound that I crawled out of as a fucking seven year old. Like, I'll stitch that because I learned. And then... I'm going to be courteous. 
yeah, like I've been doing it on my teddy bears. Um, so that's chill. Uh, we didn't have Care Bears at the time, but they have like the little stomach patch. Like that could have been his shit. He could have been like, "You are the original Sunshine Bear," and played like a design. Um, so he then walks out and is he's just, out. He's out. Yeah, and so really, the villain of this story is Magruder. But <laughs> Magruder should have been like. You know what was really wild? This child crawling out of his mother's corpse. Really need to put that on lock and really need to figure out what that's about. But super sleepy. I just had to have a nap. Maybe I have a heart condition. He probably does now. And yeah, I don't know. It's just very, like watching that now, I'm just like, so many things are happening in this moment. I can't process it all. <laughs> after um, after Doctor Giggles' escape from his mother, um, we are back in the present day with um, Doctor Giggles back at Jennifer's house. So this is like a bit of like s- stalker behavior, um, heading back to her house um, and plays back the voicemail where the police chief is advising Jennifer's dad that she is at hospital. She's fine. Um, she's just getting a checkup and that he can get, he can pick her up from there or to call them back. Um, so Jennifer's dad arrives back at the house, hoping to find Jennifer. However, he, here's the voicemail uh, that the police chief left. And then it goes on to a voicemail that Dr. Giggles has left him. And he says, hello, this is your new doctor and I'm standing right behind you. And then he's stabbed in the side by um, Dr. Giggles. (laughs) Crazy. Uh, Magruder is going to Jennifer's house because he's like, something's going on. I'm going to go check out the house. I'm going to talk to the dad. We're going to figure out what's going on. He finds... Oh, puss! <laughs> we have a cat. Oh, <laughs> just so no. Hello. No. <laughs> Sorry, she was throwing food. Oh, really? <laughs> so, I love it. So sassy. So noisy. <laughs> um. So the father is lying in a pool of blood and Magruder rushes over him to check on him, make sure he's alive, make sure the scene is all okay. And at this moment, he is stabbed right in the neck, like the top of his neck with a scalpel by Dr. Giggles. Before falling to the ground dead, he manages to shoot Giggles right in the side. Um... We see another scene where Jennifer's being checked on by the doctor. He's letting her know that she is okay. It's just, it's just routine. We're just going to make sure your heart is all okay. Don't worry. Giggles. So, oh, sorry. I feel like this is also where you start to get between her with her doctor. And what's yes. happening with Dr. Giggles. It almost feels like they're trying to invoke um, kind of this hallucination nightmare sequence. Yeah. Where she's feeling very out of control 
out of her body. She's obviously had this horrific experience. And you know that Dr. Giggles is going to come and fuck up her vibe. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah. I I like how they actually do this because it's very consistent with the doctor being like, hey, good news is that you're actually fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, you were scared out of your gourd and you had a nightmare and that obviously caused your heart to race a little bit. Um, but everything seems okay. And so it's really best case scenario for her because she's like, I there's nothing immediate. I don't need to have an invasive procedure. I'm being monitored by a doctor who obviously knows me and cares for me. And but yet you have kind of this underpinning of dread of there's just something askew it seems very like is this reality is she seeing things as they really are um and at what point is the gigs gonna come and just yeah fuck up the day yeah um speaking of gigs he goes back to his hideout and performs surgery on himself so I really love this scene because we have him laying on like a, a hospital gurney. He is performing uh, the removal of the bullet on himself, but we also see him dressed as the doctor as if they're performing surgery. So it's really fascinating how they've done it, um, both point of views, like having him as the patient and the doctor. Yeah, and I love how it ends with him being like, doctor, heal thyself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I I completely agree. And watching it, especially this time, and trying to, like, because I've seen this so much, I was trying to focus in on, like, are there really, like, interesting shots or things? And this was really, you're, you're so right. Um, because this is such a just really great, like, seeing how it's shot and how it's presented because you don't you don't even really realize that he's sewing up himself yes it's really messes with perspective and it's incredibly well done and i would say like also done in a way that doesn't seem over the top. Yeah, it was really, it was a nice short scene. It wasn't crazy. It just was really well shot. Yeah, I mean, like, he's being the gigs and being ridiculous. But the way that, like, he obviously knows enough about, like, here's how I suture a wound. wound, And here's how I make sure, like, I take out this bit and I do this. And it was actually, like, a really fascinating kind of cool scene and I it's a scene that I think is really easily forgotten when you think of like the tiramisu of what the fuckness (laughs) but it's so well done yeah and subtle but yet it still keeps in tone yeah I love it it's so good um so while he is doing that um, Max and Reitz are at the play at the PlayStation at the police station, um, trying to figure out where Giggles might be, and you know how can they stop him? 
So Reitz leaves to go to Jennifer's house to check on his partner. In the meantime, Giggles has called the chief of police and has pretended to be Jennifer's dad so he can find out um, where Jennifer is in the hospital and he heads there to go find her. Uh, This is where Jennifer has her little dream sequence where she's kind of confused about, is it Dr. Giggles that's come back for me or is it Dr. Chamberlain? Um, But when she does uh, wake up from this kind of little nightmare that she's having, it's Dr. Chamberlain telling her that she's going to be fine. While he's telling her this, Dr. Giggles appears killing, uh, there's like a fight scene, but it's like a really lengthy one where I'm like, oh, it's, it's not that important. There's lots of like, um, medical puns. They're killing each other with medical equipment. And basically the, uh, Dr. Chamberlain does end up deceased and Jennifer knocked unconscious with, um, a syringe full of sedatives. And I've written here, the amount of medical puns in this movie is amazing. So it got to, like, here where I was like, fuck, I love this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he never misses a beat with them. No. Because, I mean, even going back to when he was in the house with, um, which I think we may have made a comment on. So when he's going to kill the couple um, and the brother is playing Dr. Mario, he comes back afterwards and makes a comment like, you know, melts her brain or something like that. Um, And of course, like, it's just the Dr. Puns cannot and will not let up. And I love, you're exactly right in that it's a really kind of over-the-top, hilarious, but yet interesting kind of battle where these two people are kind of fighting each other with medical equipment. That's <laughs> just nuts. I was like, what are you two doing? Stop it. Um, so Reitz arrives at Jennifer's house to find Magruder dead and Jennifer's dad alive. Um, and there's like um, Tom, who is uh, Jennifer's dad, is like, you know, um, doctor. And Reitz is like, I'm calling the hospital now. And he replies with no no a doctor did this (laughs) so it's still like funny no matter like there was still some scenes where I was just like oh my god this is so so fucking stupid I love it (laughs) but he's not a doctor like that's no he's not even a doctor he was dressed as one (laughs) like y'all didn't know nothing passed yeah nothing passed no not He's not certified. He's not on a medical board anywhere. He's had his license not even given to him to have it revoked. Like, yeah, his his educational track is Zero. unknown. Yeah, unknown. Uh, but pretty much we know, based off of what we learn in that very cold open, he definitely didn't get a medical degree. So, <laughs> Definitely not. He's not, he's not a doctor, so stop giving him, stop giving him this. This is why we're in the state that we are now. Started here. Uh, Jennifer wakes up to find herself in the operating room of the Rendell house. Uh, Giggles tells her that he plans to replace her broken heart with one of the ones he took from the bodies of her friends. So I guess he's just going to test out which one's going to work and just be like, ah, this is the one. I'm just going to check them all out. 
Yeah, this one's too That's big. terrifying. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. This is not how transplants work. And this is why you're not board certified and or did not take any type of actual medical. This is why you're not a registered surgeon. And they're just in a fucking bucket. That's so gross. So unhygienic. Like, that's not right. What happened to his hygiene standards? Well, it's not even that. Yeah, well, okay, that's a great point. First off, yeah, bring back the hygiene. Oh, yeah. you're going to fucking scrub down a corpse, but you're not. Uh, a heart transplant is less Beyond harvested you? from the dirt. <laughs> no, like, that's not how it works. Also, no, and that hearts have to be kept at a, I, I, I think organs, having to be someone that I get blood uh, product a lot, it has to be kept at a certain temperature yeah. because it will go haywire without that. And same thing with bacteria the grows. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that just a fucking Steel bucket of hearts is not conducive to what you want to do. <laughs> like that where, all logic is out the window at this point. He's yeah, just like, like fuck, that, I'm doing it's whatever. It's warmed over. It's warmed over. It's it's not right. And but you know what? You want to try, and you found a heart that apparently just fits a chest cavity that you have no idea he he doesn't know what he's doing yeah so great doctor good times (laughs) um so giggles actually defibrillates her which i didn't even think that was a part of the whole plan um don't know why he's doing that guess what never happened that that um so this is why he is not a registered or certified doctor (laughs) they they kind of as someone that had to go in and get pieces of their heart hacked on like no they want to preserve they want to like as much as they can they want to protect the surrounding tissue and your lungs and everything because you know well and one of the (sighs) things that they do too is like if you're going in for so like transplant surgeries and things that can also take a substantial amount of time yeah so, like, they do this whole process where it's, like, so when I went in for my surgery, given two options. You're given, um, we're going to replace certain parts of your heart with metal, or we can replace it with animal tissue. Yeah, that's what my cousin had done. And so, they're like, here's the thing. If you do animal tissue, it's, you know, it's tissue. And yeah, you have to replace that eventually. Yeah, it's not gonna <laughs> hold forever. Yeah, metal much more durable. However, there's all these other elements to it that you need to maintain. Yeah. So they're like, also because of other issues happening with your heart, you're technically going to be dead. That's so um, crazy. On the operating table, like yeah, you're gonna be frozen. You're going to be dead. Because we cannot, like, you cannot be bleeding out. You cannot be, everything must be completely stopped. Yeah. And we only have a small window to do that. And so 
Like, he's doing none of this. <laughs> There's no refrigeration about. happening. Yeah. Like, it's got to be cold. It's got to be chilled. She's not hooked up to all the proper monitors. And... He's winging it. Yeah, he's winging it. Also, if my doctor had just done a self-surgery, I'd be like, how are you feeling? Like, you feeling good? You feeling right? Are you on pain meds? <laughs> how many morphines have you dunked before yeah, you came like, in here? What? How are you? Like, let's talk about you for a minute. Don't worry about me right now, because uh, yeah. you look like you're a bit all sorts. Let's talk yeah, about like, that. <laughs> are you in pain? Are you, are you hurting right now? Let's talk okay. about it. Don't you show you maybe, what maybe send in a consult. <laughs> it's okay. Send in a consult. That's fine. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, this whole bit of, and this is also where we get into, I think, the final, like, what I love about films like this is that they go into the we need to create a character that is both immortal but not because yeah. we may want to bring him back but no so let's follow a journey where he can undergo things and don't know don't know what's going to happen Um. so as Jennifer falls unconscious from the defibrillator, Reet's busts into the room and he like just fires his pistol off and he's just like bam 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 completely missing dr giggles um giggles runs away reads is performing cpr on jennifer immediately he doesn't even worry about the bad guy he's giving her medical attention that she needs asap she is not breathing um so giggs grabs a a, a golf club um from his little uh it's like a um like a storeroom off to the side of his little operating room and um comes back jennifer's revived at this point thank god um max arrives just in time to help carry jennifer um because they're trying to get out of the hospital as quick as possible and this is where max is attacked by giggles with the golf club and I love that he hits him over the head and it like bends and he says, I should I should have bought an eight iron. I don't know anything about golf. So Yeah, no, that's not right. Um I play golf a little bit and clubs don't bend like that. <laughs> um, Maybe he's got so- a really strong head. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. But, um, you know, again, we love a joke about yeah. doctors playing golf. and It was perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was. And again, like, I feel like Larry Drake is so great because he's such, like, he's a really great actor, has amazing credits, very, like, uh like he's a great character actor has really amazing roles but is just so willing to commit to like every single pun and every single like joke that the script gives to him he's just like I'm not just going to deliver it I'm going to sit and just like wallow in (laughs) what this represents (laughs) 
cheesiness. Yeah, and I love it. Like, it's really, I think, what makes the film ultimately work. Because if you got yeah. someone that takes it any more seriously, it's not the same. Yeah, I don't think I could imagine anybody else in that role besides him. I know I did read somewhere that someone else had auditioned for the role, but I can't remember who it was because I'm well, Ted got the worst men. Ted Danson, that's oh, I could imagine him in the role. So Ted Danson, and there was someone else um, that was in close contention for the role, but I think that again, like I think that Larry Drake is perfect in just. Not only appearance, because he does have a very, like, doctor visage. Yeah. Um, like, I, I could completely imagine him being a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but yet, like, he's someone that is, he's not scary. I wouldn't say that he's a scary person. But there is, he does find a weird, bizarre way to interject some sinisterness into the humor that I think really makes it pay off. If you had anyone else, like, yes, you can find someone that's super, super funny, but then I think you're undercutting any kind of like, you know, oh, this is really disturbing and upsetting. I think you're undercutting a bit of that to where Larry Jake is able to kind of balance both. Yeah, he's he, he is really fantastic in the role. I, I do like, yeah, you're exactly right about how he brings that, that balance, you know, of being a medical looking person, but also being incredibly dark and definitely damaged to an extent. Um, so there's this scene that is played out where Reitz, Max, Jennifer, and Dr. Giggles are all in this brawl kind of thing. Jennifer has a gun at one stage. She's disarmed by, by, by Dr. Giggles, um, who then chases after Reitz, letting Max and Jennifer get away from, um, the hospital. Uh, well, the, the Rendell hospital anyway. Um, so Reitz and Giggles are in the operating room. They are bashing the crap out of each other with all this insane medical equipment. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh my god, this is like Super Smash Brothers, where you can, like, just grab whatever you want and beat the crap out of everyone. <laughs> yeah. Here's this ET machine. <laughs> yeah. Um, a fire breaks out in the hospital and sets off the oxygen tanks, which in turn causes an explosion that destroys the Rendell house and presumably Dr. Giggles with it. Max and Jennifer are just able to escape. Unfortunately, we do lose um, the police officer Reitz in this uh, explosion, which is really unfortunate. He was great. Yeah, I, I do like him. I think that, yeah. again, both the police officers have a really good relationship in the back and forth where it's obviously someone that's a little bit new learning from someone that's been in the community has obviously experienced some stuff with the gigs in the <laughs> past. So I, yeah, it was, 
I kind of hated seeing him go because yeah, I think that he's honestly like a pretty solid character throughout that seems to make choices that make the most sense. Yeah, absolutely. In this film, yeah, I, I yeah, I definitely like him. I like how he does make logic and like logical decisions, and you're not sitting there going, "You're an idiot. Why would you do that?" Exactly. Like he's able, and it's not someone. I also like that, you know, obviously being someone that's new, whether it be to the force, the community, um, he just, he never seems inept. Yeah. He is skilled. He's smart. He obviously has, um, you know, kind of some skill sets here that are actually being utilized. and, And I love that. I think it's so cool to actually see a character that develops in that way, as opposed to, I can only rely on the other person that is over here and doing X. Yeah. I can't, I'm not an independent thought. I can't do it on my own. I need this person. And and you see that a lot with police officer characters too, that there's like the smart one and then the bumbling cop or they're both bumbling cops, but they both weren't idiots in this. And it felt really weird. (laughs) Yeah. And I, yeah, I just like that. He was like, no, this is, here's the, the steps I want to take. Yeah. And it all makes sense. So yeah, I, I was really sad that he, had to go because I mean obviously you kind of know that he will yeah because I think you really have to like get rid of so many (laughs) but I really like I hated that because I think that he could have been a character that if there was any kind of inclination of taking this beyond one film he could have been a character that then could have become the MacGruber yeah yeah Absolutely. Um, So Jennifer is taken to hospital where she is told that because of everything that just happened to her heart, um, there are some damage. There there are. There is some damage to one of her heart valves and she's going to need surgery to replace it. So they're getting her all prepped and ready to rock and roll um, for this routine surgery. As uh, my younger cousin was born with a hole in his heart and... (laughs) He will call it, like, I'm just going for routine surgery. And I was like, that's just so beyond what I see to be routine because I wouldn't – that would be – that's so out of the norm for me. But he had one of his heart valves replaced with a, like, a pig's heart valve and there's, like, a mechanical ticker to help pump the blood through it. And I've, like, felt his chest and it's, like, it just – medicine and – what they can do now just blows my mind. It, it's so amazing. He, yeah, he's only like 24, 25, but that won't be the first time he needs that. So, Well, and that's a, a cool thing too that I think you see a little bit in this film is that, again, it's, you know, really taking someone that is having been born with something similar, it's, hey, you know, right now we have to monitor you. We have to figure out, like, where you are. Maybe, like, I had two open heart surgeries when I was born, and then they were like, okay, this should stick for a bit. Yeah. And then 
you know, you have to go in and do more. And I, there's kind of that undercurrent that is here in this film of, you know, if she goes in and has a surgery, she's now, this is a lifelong thing that she's going to have to deal with. Yeah. And that's never in question for her. She's not like, no, I don't want to do this because, oh my God, I can't imagine my life having to go and see a cardiologist every 12 months and what kind of hell will that be? And it's like, it's yeah. not fucking hell. Like, I'm sorry about it. Like, yeah, the surgery is painful and it does fuck up a lot of things, but there are so many things that are worse yeah. than this and i i love that the film doesn't go down that path of yeah she's a completely ruined and terrible and completely worthless person because this is now her spot she's like no it's actually fine that i need to have this surgery and i'll fucking live yeah well seeing yeah seeing my cousin tell me oh it's just routine put it in a whole new perspective for me and so I was like, oh, okay, well, if you're chill about it, then I'm totally chill about it. Like, oh, good. Let's... Exactly. And that's sweet. That's got to be <laughs> also part of her journey. Yeah. This is obviously something that she's, you know, she's young and this is something that she's dealing with now. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a process. But I, I, again, I just, I really love that when she's actually getting the medical care. She's yeah. like not oh. pressed about it. She's like, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Like this is like, just right. what I gotta do. She's like, I just went through fucking hell. Like this guy defibrillated me. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even what when, you got? at the very beginning, <laughs> where she's with the doctor, like she's more scared about not knowing. Yeah, than she is about like I need to wear a heart monitor. I need to do this. She's more scared of like a whole week. Like what? Okay, well, what what can happen in a week? I don't know what this is. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I think it's a very shockingly realistic approach to, like, yeah, there's fear and trepidation about these things, but it also comes from the fact of, hey, when we talk to our doctors, when we get that information that connects, we go with it and so yeah i the end part of this film is really fucked up because it just becomes kind of like a fever dream of like is she okay how are we functioning now yeah because um while she's getting prepped uh dr giggles reappears having survived the explosion and basically carving his way through the hospital to get to Jennifer. <laughs> As you do. Um, I love this moment where he's like pulling out all this really bizarre equipment from his bag. And I was like, how does that all fit in your bag? And there's like claws and fucking like a needle machine that he stabs the doctor in the face with. Well, the doctor asks, he's like, what, what are you is doing? This? <laughs> and he's like, it's just equipment. And he's like, but it no. hasn't been tested. Yeah, he's like, what? No, this is not right. I didn't learn about this. And so, yeah, <laughs> I, it's so bizarre. 
Um, so after he kills Jennifer's doctor, the cardi, uh, the, uh, I'm going to assume a cardiothoracic surgeon of some type, um, she runs off, she gets into the janitor's closet, and then, um, while she's in there, cleverly grabs the bottle of cleaning fluid on the floor and spills it everywhere, and when he gets in there, um... He slips in the liquid and she grabs the defibrillator paddles, electrocuting him, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, it's... It was cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Although, again, I any scene where someone that has been prepped for surgery and then can go and fight off an assailant, I'm like, no, if you've been prepped for surgery, uh, you're pissing yourself and just a heap of flesh you're not moving you are so drugged you are so out of it like you do not understand yeah anything you're out yeah like so she would just be like give me a blanket like i just just, like i'm a drugged up mess just wrap me up like a burrito yeah like you guys have issues right now i just need to i'm fine yeah (laughs) i'm fine Um, (laughs) So I always laugh when someone is able to come from actual like anesthesia <laughs> and be like, no, I'm going to fight. I'm like, no, do no? you understand? It takes like fucking days yeah, to, like, to get, get off all of the drugs. <laughs> and you're like, let me now do some like taekwondo. No, I don't trust you. Like, oh, child, no, you're snoozing. You're just snoozing. Just go to sleep. Fuck. Uh, Jennifer walks away uh, thinking that it's all over and done with when Giggles grabs her by her ankle. She finally kills him, or so we think, by stabbing him in the chest with two of his own instruments. Um, We see this, like, breaking the fourth wall kind of moment where uh, Giggles stares at the camera asking is there a doctor in the house before dying? And I really like that, like that talking to the audience kind of thing for the film. Um, that's a little bit meta, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's completely cheesy over yeah. the top line. But it, again, I, I think that Larry Drake honestly sells it. And it's a, you know, I, I feel like it's the only ending. Yeah. And then there's obviously the cheesy moment where Jennifer's recovering in hospital and um, is visited by her dad and then by Max. I don't know why she forgives Max. He still made out with another girl and like dry humped on the floor of some random building. Yeah, it's very Halloween 2018 (laughs) where it's like, here's someone that is literally like up in someone else's business. Yeah. And I'm cool i'm supposed to be cool with it like no like red flag yeah you talk about it boundaries broken but yeah i i never trust a sunshiny hospital scene (laughs) it always makes me nervous because it's like Mm, no there's something else wrong here like who who's gonna like (laughs) Is is the gigs? Is he gonna break out? Is he gonna break out somewhere else? Smashes in through the window. Done? If he's still not done, if Jason can come back, 
Anyone can. Yikes. Kids can come back too. <laughs> so that is um, the 1992 slasher Dr. Giggles, which I thought, I think I might show my nieces this one. <laughs> it's they so will love good. it. It's a little introduction to body horror for them. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think it's a great... They love gruesome shit. They'll be into yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's gruesome, but I think it's also, like, it's gruesome in a way that I, I think if you're interested in horror, this isn't going to be too much. It's not yeah. going to be off-putting. It's not... None of the body horror, I think, goes to a place where you're, like, society Ooh, yeah, and shunting. Uh, yeah, uh, they won't be allowed to watch society until they're, like, 18. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to have to explain shunting to them. <laughs> no, it, shunting's not explained. It's experienced. Um... <laughs> But no, I think that this is a really great film for people, especially that are like, hey, I really like this film or I'm, you know, like you're getting people into horror or you want to show some people horror. And that was really great about showing like this as a slumber party thing, because, you know, at a slumber party, no one's really like no one's really like full force i was always full force into watching every movie that we watch yeah but most people are like let's talk let's go and like do whatever while this is playing in the background yeah and this is a really great film that i think can serve a lot of different purposes so i love it a lot it's so fun yeah I was. Well, thank you for sharing that to me. I, I adore that movie. I'm I'm going to watch it because I need to see that puppet scene. <laughs> it's I'm... so... It's just... How did I miss it? Like, the arms are just... They're not... Real? You know, it's a puppet. It's a puppet. <laughs> and you'll convince me of n- no other kind of uh, way to explain that (laughs) yeah it's just so strange but i love it it's such in a way like the fact that it is a puppet and it looks so weird works yeah because it is a really weird scene so it's totally fine i think that is the weirdest yeah scene of the film and i think a a scene that will probably like if anyone's going to be disturbed like truly disturbed by a certain set of visuals i think that's the scene yeah yeah everything else is kind of like yeah maybe you need to avert your eyes for a few minutes if this is something that's really upsetting um but this because of it goes on i think yeah a lot longer than you and you're just like oh is this still oh wow okay um (laughs) Like I'm, you're cutting yourself out of a corpse. I guess it's gonna take a minute. But, <laughs> like it's still. Like, I was really surprised when I was watching it. I'm like, ooh, oh, I could peed. Like I could have got up and peed. And he's still like getting. Up. He's still like getting he's out. He's still doing it. Like wow, <laughs> wow. Like this goes on. It's a moment. So I I love it. Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm really 
really glad that you had a fun time with it. I loved it. I, I'm a massive, uh, like, uh, horror comedy fan, so this absolutely tickled that, that bone for me. Um, so before we wrap up, what is the last horror movie that you watched? So the last horror movie that I watched was actually uh, My Heart Can't Beat if <gasps> you won't tell it to. Um, it's what did you so think? good. <laughs> so, 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 so good. Um, it's on Shudder US. Yeah, um, I watched it on Shudder. Yeah, I loved it. It's amazing. It's so... Um, there's an intimacy to it. It's very, um, kind of kitchen table drama-ish. Yeah. And it's, I love Patrick Puget a lot. Um. He's great. I used to, um, Outcast. He was great in that. Yeah. His, uh, television series. Yeah. And, I mean, like, he got, he kind of blew up with Almost Famous yeah. And then um, I loved him in Risk Cutters. A love oh, I haven't story. seen that. Um, one of my favorite films. That's act- like I have a huge tattoo. Amazing. Risk Cutters. <laughs> um, so I like he, it's such a great movie. Um, yeah. So I recently watched that. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, so there. I mean, it's. January is often viewed as kind of a dry period for new horror. Yeah. But I always encourage people, like, especially with Shudder and different streaming services, Mm. there's a lot of new and cool stuff that pops up that, if you don't know, um, there's a really long documentary. I say really long, but... The um, three-hour documentary? The folk horror? Yeah. um, About folk horror. (laughs) Yeah, Um, amazing. yeah, which is so good too. Um, I had that on in the background um, while I was uh, doing a couple of other things, and it ended up not being background. So I'm like, I must just completely absorb. Myself. I was like fully in. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I need to know every because they talk about like 200 movies, and I was like, I need a list of every movie they talk about so I can watch it. It's great. So yeah, um, so much cool horror. But yeah, the last film, um. My heart can be, unless you tell it to, definitely check it out. It's yeah, so good. It's so just kind of painful, but beautiful and lovely. Um, so yeah, that that's the last thing I watched. What about you? What what is oh. the last for? Well, you said you just watched Doctor Giggles. Yes, uh, I've actually been watching TV series. So I watched mm. all of Yellow Jackets, and then I watched Archive eighty one. So <gasps> oh, I watched I Queen of the Damned last night as well because I love that movie so much. <laughs> I haven't. So I've watched Yellow Jackets. Amazing. I just—it's too much. It's all too much. <laughs> I can't process all of the things. Yeah. Um, Melanie Linsky deserves every flower yeah. in the world. She's just a dynamite. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, obviously, like, I, Yellow Jackets was not on my radar by any, um, like, I love Melanie and I was going to watch it for her and you obviously have Christina Ricci and, yeah. um, Juliet Lewis. Yeah, like you have some really 
phenomenal folks um and new folks too yeah um so i was yeah, i was like i'll watch it but i was really into dexter new blood um and so this came on right after and so i'm like and i'll watch it and yeah from that moment i'm like okay this is all right so i'm into this have not watched um archive 81 so i'm yeah it's interesting if you're like I'm, a found footage person then you might enjoy it okay i'm so intrigued because i've seen some people talk about it yeah um, it's getting mixed uh feedback from all the people that i speak with and like uh follow online but it did go a little bit on the weird end for me and i was kind of like a lie it's okay i'll still watch season two (laughs) so i think the next season's because it's based off of a podcast like a narrative podcast series of the same title and i think every season is like a different storyline so i'm really interested to see like what will happen next next season Maybe I'll listen to the podcast. (laughs) Well, that may be the next series I dig into. Yeah, it's worth it. It's and um the main actor, I can't say his name um unless it's in front of me. He is um from the Welcome to Blumhouse series of 2020. So he was in Black Box, and I friggin' loved him in that movie. Yes. Loved him. He was fantastic. He was uh the did you have you seen Black Box? Yes. Yeah, he was the one that lost his uh his memory. Oh he was okay. the dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's very good. Yeah, he blew my mind in that. And that was like the first thing I've ever seen him in. So um and I'd just forgotten, you know, that he was in that movie. And then when I saw Archive 81, the first episode, I was like, oh no way! He was so good in Black Box! <laughs> so, yes. Uh, he has a new fan in me. <laughs> that's excellent. So is there anything that's coming up that you're super excited to <sighs> Not really. Like- I'm seeing Scream. Um, so I'm excited about that. I had COVID and couldn't go to the media screening of it. So I kind of like lost my hype for it because I was sick for that week. So I was like, oh, I don't care anymore. Cause like all my like movie friends were going to the, to the premiere and the media screenings. Cause they have movie yeah. podcasts and whatnot. And I was like, oh my, no, I don't even want to talk to anybody anymore. <laughs> but I am seeing screen my partner and I are going to what's it's called like gold class here so you get like really comfy massive recliner lounges and they like do table service and you can order sundaes and like waffles and it's so cool so it sounds uh, very much like the Alamo draft house yeah yes yeah where you get like your menu you can order yeah you gotta be quiet yeah it's just about keeping keeping a certain vibe for the Mm. film well, there's only two, and two other people at our session so far, so yeah. Oh, you're doing it. Nobody, doing it. nobody disturb me. <laughs> but, uh, oh, you're doing yeah. it right. That's so yeah, exactly. God, that's really cool. Yeah, that's what we do with our uh, like our Christmas gift money from my nan every year. We'll go do some like something special like that. We we went to the zoo one year, and then we normally go out for dinner or something like that. So yeah, oh, it's our. Fun cool date night for this week now that I'm finally able to see him because I wasn't able to see him last week so <laughs> I haven't seen him for two weeks because I've been sick well, so yeah well be cool. it sounds like it will be yes an amazing time it will be 
Um, where can listeners find you and your podcast? I'm going to link it anyway, but please let them know. Yeah, so Bodies of Horror can be found as part of the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad. So uh, make sure that you, wherever you subscribe or listen to podcasts, uh, you are subscribed to Anatomy of a Scream. Yeah. Uh, we drop new episodes uh, every other week. So just yesterday, uh, the most recent episode went out. And so, yeah, we're bi-weekly um, in the midst of season two. Um, but if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, uh, you can do that too. And I am at Bodies of Horror on Twitter. Keep it in super simple. Super, <laughs> super easy. Simple. Yeah. And same at Gmail. If you want to shoot me an email, Bodies of Horror at gmail.com and I'm always super excited for people to reach out especially if people have recommendations of films because as much research and digging as a person can do there's always going to be films or things that just haven't kind of dawned on me um so I'm always looking for new films to explore and you know especially if they have a disability connect or theme i i want to see them and i will perhaps talk about them awesome well um thank you so much for joining me it's been awesome yes thank you so much and i'm what what a magical magical film yeah <laughs> i'm chatting about and thank you listeners if you enjoyed the podcast please to re please remember to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts you can actually do that on spotify now which is so amazing so leave a five-star review if you want to catch the latest from me you can find me on twitter at catstead underscore or on instagram as i've changed my instagram handle it is now hear us screen cat and to see all the latest from the podcast please show the show some love on Twitter at TGIF pod. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday.